trip over enough. We need it. So the scripture is Romans 8, 1 to 8. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, but people whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. Now the second time that Joanna brings the scripture to us, continue to ponder the words that she sang and read along and let a word or two attract you, pull you into the scripture and hold you there. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what is impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned, condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with the sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things. People whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. Continue to ponder these words and that 
third time that Joanna reads them, please um, take a pen, circle the word that was meaningful to you, and let the Holy Spirit guide you deep into this scripture. And you might even want to um, put a description of why this word spoke to you so that you can ponder it further even after. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things. People whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. Now just say the word that you circled. Okay. I put free. Selfishness. Life and peace. What was it? Now this fourth time, just rest. Rest in the word as it speaks to you. Ponder and go deep. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what was impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did this so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on spirit, not based on selfishness. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things. People whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death, but the attitude that comes from the spirit 
leads to life and peace. So the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. And now for her time of resting in God. You choose your sacred word and keep your coming back to God in your quiet time as thoughts arise. Sit comfortably, eyes closed, back straight. Brian will sit for a moment afterwards.
Amen. Will you please pray with me and for me? Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, speak to us as a faith community and speak the word that each of us individually need to hear. Holy Spirit, may all that I say point us toward greater union and intimacy with you, the lover of our souls. Amen. This past week, I saw a commercial from one of the major cell phone carriers where an astonishingly normal looking man went into his local store to trade in his phone. But as he took his phone out and tried to hand it to the worker, it was blurred out. Couldn't see it. And then they pan around to the other customers in the store and these looks of pure terror are on their face. They all gasp, one woman, covers her daughter's eyes and asks in disgust, how could you? This man apparently had the audacity to be trying to trade in a cell phone. And don't go into shock on this, but that might have been older than just two or three years. From the way people reacted, it might have even been all the way back to before 2010. The store worker even said she had been trained for this type of catastrophe and brought out a special box for him to place this ancient relic in so that other people wouldn't have to look at it. God have mercy. What a nightmare it must be to hold on to some type of device past its two or three year lease. We've got a craving in our society for the latest and greatest. And society tells us that our identity, our worth as people are rolled into either what we have or especially what we don't have. And that we're to build our self-worth as human beings from that. And admittedly, this type of craving has become more apparent in recent years, at least to me. But this has also been part of our human nature since the very beginning. Because a few thousand years before Paul was even writing that verse from Romans, the book of Genesis was being put together. And early on in Genesis, it's written that one of the results of our fallen world was that all the work we do 
everything that we try to produce, the results of our work, our possessions, they would come from, the language he uses is the sweat of our brow. And when we read about this, we of course think about physical labor, working hard out in the field, um, whatever it may be. Hard physical labor is uncomfortable, causes us to sweat, to become more tired. But a scholar um, named Daniel Fleming dove into this passage from Genesis a little deeper. And he discovered that when looking at this word in the original language of Hebrew and seeing how else it was used in society, it's actually not about physical labor at all. But it's a nervous sweat, a sweat where we have intense anxiety, anxiety rooted in fear a fear that tries to instill in us this belief that no matter how hard we work and how much we accumulate from that work, it will never be enough. No matter what we do or what we come to possess through what we do, that anxiety, the fear of not having enough, will never go away. And these thousands of years later, that is still so clearly true. Even this past week in the professional football world, we saw news of how a professional quarterback signed a new contract for 50 million per year. And the reason I note that it's 50 million is because the previously higher, highest paid quarterback was making 45 million. This, the new contract, the contract this new player signed, just had to be making that little bit more than the previous guy. He had to have that extra edge. Our world is fueled by a cycle of competition where we try to prove our worth by just making sure we have a little bit more, even if it's just a little bit more than the person below us, just so that we're not at the bottom. And now this is what Paul was inviting that Roman church to be free from in our passage, to enter into this new way of life, the spirit-filled life, and not living into the false self of craving more and more. When Paul writes in verse 5 that people whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things, but people whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit, he's drawing this contrast between two different Greek words, sarks, flesh, the false self, in Soma, spirit, new and true self. Sarks is the part of us that tries to prove our worth with our possessions. 
the part of us that continually falls into this craving for more and believes if we can just keep getting a little bit more each time, we'll finally be satisfied. But what Paul is saying is that the soma, the spirit self, that's what actually provides union with God no matter what we have or don't have. It's what releases us from this craving that we think if we just keep feeding it will someday get us peace. But it really just leaves us in the cycle where we're stuck in this false self. And this is just what we see in our society. Because even amidst all our wealth and possessions here in the United States, we are barely in the top 20 of happiest countries in the world, according to an annual study done by the United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network. Our riches have not brought us the happiness we thought it would. And what I believe God is trying to teach us, has been trying to teach us since Genesis, through the Apostle Paul, and still today, is that we actually have the capacity, when we live into this true self, into the Soma spirit, to say no to a culture that always tells us to strive for more, and that we will never be fully free to live the life God dreams for us if we cannot say no to those cravings when they speak. Because we know, even as people of faith, those cravings don't stop. They're still part of our daily life. You can just drive down the street and be tempted in some way. But a spiritual life, finding that union with God, allows us to live into something different. And when we don't, writer Thomas Merton says that these compulsions reduce ourselves to just a shadow of the genuine person we really are. And as I thought of this, I really don't think that we walk into this false self because we believe money and or possessions buy happiness. At some level, even the richest upon the rich I think we realize, if we're honest with ourselves, that we know that's not true. So I think there's a belief underneath that. And it's something related to the reality that bothers us that we can't control our own happiness with how hard we work or being able to prove our success with our possessions. The fact that we can't prove how successful we are with our possessions or how hard we work, it drives us mad. Richard Rohr, um, another spiritual writer who's done a lot of work in this regard, he writes that you do not create your true self or earn it or work up to it by any moral or ritual behavior whatsoever. 
It is all and forever mercy for all of us and all the time. And there are no exceptions. You do not climb up to your true self. You fall into it. And so don't avoid all falling. There, ironically and happily, you're finally found. And you notice your small false self almost as a disappointing afterthought. And friends, this is part of the journey with Cedaring Prayer. Falling into it. And as we fall, we get to let go of more and more. To paraphrase Merton, the true self is like that jewel at the bottom of the sea. Now, I've never been deep sea diving, and I'm not planning to, but as I would understand it, the deeper you go, the more and more oxygen you need. And yet, in this illustration, the deeper we go and the more and more oxygen we need, in other words, the more and more presence of God we need, the closer we are to the jewel. We do that just by letting ourselves go. You can see this even in last week's story when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. Satan tries to tempt Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world, tempting Jesus with possessions. But Jesus knew who he was, and he knew he was loved. Since he had been accepted and loved by God, he didn't need to fall into that temptation. And we see this later on when Jesus teaches us that we can gain the whole world but lose our soul. Think that Jesus was speaking about that from his personal experience. C.S. Lewis once said that the devil doesn't appear with a pitchfork and horns but a three-piece suit. Now, don't worry, I don't think he was hating on formal wear, but on how we think we can prove our worth with our exterior lives. Because C.S. Lewis goes on to describe that by changing our career status, compassion for the little people, or lowering our princess, doing those things can make us feel slow, naive, and foolish. But it shouldn't. So that's all to say that sometimes gods can make us look, our gods can look really good to us, meaning our possessions, what we do, the things we are unintentionally worshiping. They can look good to us, make us feel good, but really they're just creating that Sark's craving, a virus that can never be filled. And instead, we're invited to fall and rest into something different. A life where our worth isn't dependent on what we possess or don't possess, but simply on being 
being present with God and with each other. And in that, that is where we find the beautiful person we are. Amen.